this morning. Thank you so much. And I hope that you were touched this morning by the message and the story of all of those songs. Did you see how it just told one story about Jesus? About his coming? About the fact that there was once darkness? And when God sent his son Jesus into the world, light came upon the place. And that light has made all the difference in the world. Amen? And what a blessing it is to be a child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And to be able to come together and just worship Him, not just today, but every day of our life. What a blessing that is. And so we enter into a season, if you noticed on your calendars last week, we enter, in, we enter into a season called Advent. That's just a simple way of reminding us from the Latin word Adventus, it means to come. As followers of Christ, it is so important that we remember the story of Jesus from the beginning to the end. And to realize as we begin to dive into that story, what we realize is we are involved, we are included in that story. And it's a story like no other. And so we're going to read this morning from Isaiah chapter 9. If you have your Bibles, you can begin turning there. And you're going to notice in a moment as we read that the people during that day, they were living in a spiritual condition where the people chose to follow their own ways instead of God. They were walking around in darkness. And so what happens is, as we begin to turn the pages and as we begin to see, even from the Old Testament, that there's this promise that there's a better one coming, one that brings hope and peace and justice and grace and redemption and, yes, even salvation into this dark world, we begin to see this glimmer of hope. And so can you imagine what it must have been like for those who were in the in-between time and they were just waiting. Now, let me ask you this morning, how many of you like to wait for something? How many of you like to go through a drive through only to know that you're going to have to wait for a period of time? Or you get behind that person at the store who has a buggy load of groceries, and not only that, they also whip out their notebook full of coupons. Have you ever been stuck behind somebody that coupons? I'm not making fun of that, but it, you'll be there a long time. And so if you're in a hurry, your waiting game is going to take a lot longer. We live in a world today where we want things and we want them like that. It's called instant gratification. Okay, I want you to place yourselves in what we read this morning from Isaiah chapter 9. But before we do that, I want you to think about this thought. 
Henry Nouwen, not long before his death, he wrote a book that he called Sabbatical Journeys, in which he wrote about some friends of him uh, that who they were trapeze artists, and they were called the Flying Rudellas. They told Nouwen that there's this special relationship that takes place between the flyer and the catcher on the trapeze. And that relationship has to be governed by some very important rules, such as the flyer is the one who lets go, and the catcher is the one who catches. It is very important that you remember that. And so as the flyer swings on the trapeze high above the crowd, the moment comes when he must let go. And so he flings his body out into midair, and his job is to keep flying and waiting for those strong hands of the catcher to take hold of him at just the right moment. And then one of the flying rudellas told Nowen, the flyer must never try to catch the catcher. The flyer's job is real simple. It is to wait in absolute trust. The catcher will catch him, but he must wait. So about 20 years ago, I went through a, a deal down at Iron Springs Camp. Um, I just lost me what it was. Uh, where is Jared? He's, he's trained in this. A ropes course. And I went through the high elements ropes course with our youth group at the time. And they dared me to climb up and to do one of these flying trapeze. So because they dared me, I had to do it. I was scared to death. So I climbed up this telephone pole and I got to the top, and you know how round a telephone pole is. It's not nearly round enough that when you get up there that you feel safe and comfortable. And so I sat down, and the person said, No, Patrick, you have to stand up. I thought, how in the world am I going to go from that setting mode to that standing mode when all I'm setting on is just a little round pole? Well... It took what I thought was an eternity, but I did it. And so when I stood up, I mean, I started shaking and I got so nervous and I got so scared. I'll be honest, I just wanted to quit. I wanted to climb down. It would have been much easier for me to climb down, but looking down at the youth group, they were saying, you can do this. Don't be a chicken. You can do this. We dare you to do it. Thinking, man, I just wish they would dare me to climb down, you know. So I knew that the only hope that I had was in the person holding the rope. And I also knew that if I did not catch that trapeze out there, I prayed to God that they would tighten it up and catch me, but they said, you can do it. So again... I stood there for what seemed like an eternity and I finally jumped out there and I made it. Yes, clap for me, I made it. And I held on to that trapeze and I flew and oh, it was fun. I said, let's do this again. 
you know, this is great. But what a rush. What a, what a time of climbing up and waiting for that excitement to come. And so all of a sudden, you go back almost 700 years before Christ was born. You have another speaker through the prophet Isaiah who introduces Jesus in much of the same way. The fact that you've got to wait. And, but there was something in Isaiah's word that spoke to his people. There was something about this message of this child that was to be born, that this son that was to be given, that gave Israel this reason to cheer. I mean, we're, we're in a time right now and in a season where it's cheerful and it's happy, and especially for the kids, they can't wait for December the 25th to get here. Okay, because they've been, well, probably promised a lot of these great things from Santa Claus. And so they're waiting to see, will Santa deliver the goods? Well, the people in Isaiah's day, they were living in a time where it was dark, okay? They were experiencing what we would call a famine. We think of a famine today, we think of a famine because of a lack of food. They were going through a famine because they had this lack of trust and dependence on God. Now, I know it's one thing to be independent, but folks, let me tell you something. What Jesus wants us to do is to live our life dependent on Him. We can't make it. We can't get out of this life. We can't get out of this world without Jesus. And so the people in Isaiah's day, they're walking around in a state of darkness. They're confused, and in their mind, there's no hope. But, listen to these words in Isaiah 9. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. That's a promise. There's gloom now, but what Isaiah says is, nevertheless... There will come a day when there will be no more gloom for those who are walking around in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor the Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. The people, here's their condition, walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. That right there gives that glimmer of hope, doesn't it? That light has dawned. In other words, it means God is alive, God knows your condition, God knows your ways, but He also knows it, you don't need to stay this way, and so he's going to bring somebody else in. He's going to usher in somebody that can rescue and deliver us. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered 
the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning and will be fuel for the fire. For to us, here's the hope, a child is born. To us, a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders. That's where the government needs to be, amen? We're not going there, so don't worry. And he will be called... Now listen to these descriptions. We've sung about them this morning, but listen to how Isaiah says it. He'll be called, say this with me, church, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Say it again. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And so, it was to that audience, again, who walked in darkness. It was to that audience that God gave the guarantee of a great light, of hope and promise that would only come through a child and of a future for their people that would be a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, and a prince of peace. And so think about it. They're sitting on the edge of their seats, just like you and I do at the theater when we're on the edge of our seats waiting for that spectacular moment to come. I mean, we're just, it just build, the whole movie's building up, right? Well, this whole scene is building up that one day you're not going to have to walk in darkness anymore. And the people are thinking, well, how's that going to happen? So what are you going to do about it? How are you going to fix that problem? Well, the way he says it is, to us, a child will be born. Not yet, but one day. That was that dawning light. That was that glimmer of hope that the people needed. But guess what? They had to wait. Now, it's hard for us to imagine that. Because we don't have to wait. We're living in the fact that he came. He was born and he walked this earth. But what we do now is we wait for his return. And as believers, we know that we can wait with an expectant attitude and an expectant spirit that we may not know when he's coming, but we know that he is coming back for us. And that's good news. So we wait for that. These folks were waiting to see what will it be like. Because all they knew was a state of darkness. 
But do you see this promise that Isaiah is prophesying about? They're going to see a great light. And joy is going to replace all the despair and all the negativity and all the darkness that they're walking around in. He's going to replace that with joy. And folks, let me tell you something. You can be going through rough times in your life and you can still have the joy of the Lord in your heart. It's that inner security. It's that inner peace that says things on the outside may not be good right now, but on the inside, because of my hope in Jesus, I can have joy. Joy goes way beyond your present circumstance. And it helps us look toward the future knowing that we can experience that joy because of Jesus. And then I love verse 4. All these enemies that were around them at the time, to the people then, they were powerful. I mean, these were powerful people, powerful enemies that were doing a lot of damage. But what Isaiah says is one day, when Jesus comes, the enemy's power will be broken. It'll be crushed. Because now we're going to be able to live in the power of God. And so according to Isaiah in chapter 9, verse 6, he will be known as the mighty God. Boy, of all those descriptions, I love that one. Mighty God. I want you to think about that for a minute. Mighty means a hero. It means a, a warrior that's been proven. He's unafraid to battle. He's never been defeated. And so you think about that and you think about Almighty God. And you look at all the stories in Scripture. What's the one message? We even sing a song about it. <clears throat> what's the one message that we see about that? The battles don't belong to us. The battle belongs to the Lord. The battle belongs to God. So think about it. He's that proven warrior that has never been defeated. And in Scripture, about the time that you say, oh, God's going to lose this battle, you better hold on to your seat, you better get to the edge of your seat, because then you realize he's not going to be defeated. He's going to win. <coughs> he won battles with armies of 300 men compared to thousands. Now, on paper and in real life, we look at that today and we say, there is no way. But we look at it in the hands of God and we say, yes. It can happen because God is in control and he's in charge. What does that mean for us? When you and I face... <coughs> really getting sick of this when you and I face impossible situations you know what that means to us it means we place our faith and our hope and our trust in a mighty God and he can do mighty things he can do extraordinary things with us but you know what I'm afraid of I'm afraid sometimes we have taken that for granted and we have reduced this mighty God 
this mighty Son of God, Jesus, and we've reduced him down to the fact that maybe he's weak. And maybe we've pictured him as a substitute rather than the real thing. Folks, let me tell you something. If you're trying to substitute mighty God for something else, you might as well give it up and realize he is the mighty one, he is the only one that can do the things that we need done in our lives in the name of Jesus. And he does that because our Father in heaven looked down and saw we're not getting anywhere and the only thing that's going to bring hope is the fact that I'm going to have to give up my son. I'm going to have to give up my son to the fact that I'm going to have to send him to the cross and he's going to have to die a cruel death. And marching all the way to the cross till Jesus uttered his last breath, that's exactly what he accomplished. Why? Because that was the mission of his father. And he accomplished it. And so my question is, if that was the mission of the father for us, surely in our lives, in our little small life that we live, surely we can give it back to the one who gave us everything <coughs> that's what he wants us to do till he returns <coughs> or calls me home here in the power of Christ I'll stand will you say that this morning <coughs> and will you march that way in your life I want to invite you to stand this morning <coughs> as we close. <coughs> and I want you to think about mighty God like this. My king was born the mighty God. He's the mighty God of righteousness. He's the mighty God of the ages. He's the mighty God of heaven. He's the mighty God of glory. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. That's my king and he's the mighty God. Do you know him? He's the mighty God of limitless love. He knows no end to his supply. No barriers can hinder him from pouring out his blessing. Our mighty God is strong. Jesus, the mighty God, is so knowledgeable that there's nothing hidden from him. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He stands alone in himself. He's unique. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. And I'm talking about Jesus, the mighty God, the miracle of the age. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He's mighty God and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharged debtors. He delivered the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the aged. He rewards the diligent. He's the master of the mighty. He's the captain of the conquerors. He's the head of the heroes. He is the leader of the legislatures. 
<coughs> he's the overseer of the overcomers. He's the governor of governors. He's the prince of princes. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the mighty God. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. The heaven of heavens cannot contain them. You can't get them out of your mind. You can't get them off your hands. You can't outlive them. You can't live without them. There's nobody before him. There'll be nobody after him. You can't impeach him. He's not going to resign. He's the mighty God. And we say to that, Amen. I hope we say it and live it stronger than what you just said. He is the mighty God. And just as in Isaiah's day, when they were walking in darkness and he ushered in a new light. Folks, we live in darkness all around us. But we're the light. And may we let it shine forevermore. If you need to come this morning to talk about anything, to pray about anything, if you're here and you need to put Christ on in baptism, we want to meet those needs. And we want to do that right now as we sing this song together. Let's worship.